Welcome to the Love Before 100 podcast. I'm Rachel Birch, and I'm here because everyone says dating in your 40s sucks. So I decided to make a game out of it. Part scavenger hunt, part bucket list. I made a list of all the ways I could meet my person. Then I assigned every task a points value. The goal now, find love before I hit 100. Points or years, whichever comes first. You got me shaking, Hi. So if you heard last week's episode, you heard Jackie say that her lovers have been her greatest adventures. And if you've been listening to the podcast, you also know that adventure is one of the main things I'm seeking with the list. Passion, excitement, adventure, and fun, right? So I kind of feel like finding a lover might be just the ticket. And I feel like the universe wants this for me too. I mean, didn't it just drop a stay at a fancy hotel full of lawyers in my lap? I mean, didn't my friend Svetlana just text me yesterday out of the blue, inviting me to stay with her in her room at the Ritz-Carlton during her lawyer convention? Yeah, I'd say the universe also wants me to find a lover. And so with Svetlana's help, this week we're crossing Crash the Convention off the list. I'll be leaving soon to drive down to the Ritz. Svetlana's already there attending convention meetings. She flew in from D.C. early this morning. As I'm finishing packing, I get a text from her that reads, already on the lookout for singles ready to mingle. I told David about you, and he seemed intrigued. Ooh, who's David, I think to myself. Svetlana's volunteered herself as wingwoman and is eager to help me find a lover. And apparently, she's taking her new duties very seriously. Then, a link to the law offices of David so-and-so comes through. And the thumbnail is just a large picture of a guy in a suit, presumably David. Okay. Not bad. This could be promising. I reply, I appreciate you. LOL. He's handsome. She responds, He's okay. Not amazing. I'll keep looking until you get here. I appreciate a wing woman who wants amazing for me. I'm really excited for this trip. I can't wait to get to the hotel. Svetlana's hilarious and just a really fun person to hang out with. So, worst case, I just get a fun getaway with a girlfriend. Remember, fun is also on the list. I'm almost ready to leave and want to make sure I don't forget anything. So I text her, okay, I'm going to finish packing and then head down. Any thoughts on how you want to spend our time together besides getting me a lover? She sends me a list of options and I throw my workout stuff in my bag along with the essentials I've already packed. I hop in the car and head down PCH. When I meet up with her in the lobby, she gives me a big hug and then excitedly says, come on, let's go get changed into our bathing suits. We're meeting David and my friend Wendy at the pool. She really is wasting no time. As we're walking down the hall to our room, Svetlana's trying to sell me on David. He's a super successful antitrust attorney from New York, she says. I love how invested she is. I put my stuff down in the room and hang up my dress for tonight. We chat a little bit, and then we change into our bathing suits and head out towards the pool. I'm actually starting to feel nervous. I wonder what she told him about me. Does he know I'm looking for a lover? How is this going to play out? I feel like I'm in high school walking up to a party. We walk out to the pool and I see him. He smiles politely and then goes about rearranging his towel. Um, no, this man is not my lover. Svetlana and I grab the double lounge chair next to them and order some cocktails. While they're talking lawyer convention things, I'm enjoying the sun and people watching. My mind starts to wander and I start to think about hubba hubba. It's now been a little over a week and still nothing. I start to wonder what the cutoff for him sending a, hey, how have you been text would be. 
Would two weeks be too long? No. I mean, I've heard of people getting out of the blue, hey, how have you been text six months, a year, two years later. Ugh, I hate that I'm still thinking about him. That's my pattern, though. Anytime I have any hope in a new man, as soon as I'm disappointed, I think about the last guy. And that fresh disappointment makes me miss the last guy more. What is it about disappointment that stings so much? I guess I just hate that false start, getting your hopes up just to have them crash down. But like Jackie said, you must have standards, but not expectations. And also faith that he'll eventually show up. Just then, a dark-haired man in red shorts and a navy blue t-shirt walks out and puts his backpack down on a lounge chair a couple rows away from me. Hmm, backpack. Does that mean he's not with the lawyer convention? Probably not. He pulls his shirt off over his head, and I catch a glimpse of his muscles and a big tattoo on his upper arm. Hmm, could this man be my lover? I watch as he jumps in the pool to cool off and then pulls himself up with his big muscular arms and hops out of the pool. His body is now glistening with drops of water in the sun. He stands up and just as he's about to lay down on a lounge chair, he looks over at me and locks eyes with me. Although my reflex is always to turn away when someone's looking at me, I force myself to maintain eye contact and not look away. I'm so proud of myself. I did it. Although I quickly realized I didn't smile. I just stared at him like a psychopath. That's okay. I can fix this, I think to myself. I mean, this is sounding exactly like Jackie's experience. Hot guy, tattoo, jumps in the water to cool off. Now I just have to go saunter over in front of him. I'm frozen now. I can't seem to figure out how to walk by him without looking like I'm just trying to walk by him. How would this work anyway, though? How do I handle having a lover while I'm sharing a room with Svetlana? Is a queen bed big enough to host a lover? Is it weird to have a room with two beds? Probably not as romantic as a king bed. Oh, duh. He probably has a room here too. I'm sure he doesn't have a roommate, although he does have a backpack, so maybe he does have a roommate. I start to fantasize about how this could play out. Would I feel safer in his room or mine? Do I want to be the one who's able to leave when I want to? But then I have to walk back to my room. As I'm contemplating all the ways I could make this happen, I see him get up to leave. No, wait, Rachel, do something. This man could be your lover. And then he looks back over at me. And again, I realize I'm just staring at him. In a panic, I force myself to curve my lips up slightly, but end up just scrunching my face up at him. And then I look down. He walks away towards the hotel rooms. What do I do now? I can't run after him. Maybe he'll come back to the pool or maybe he'll be in the hotel bar later. This can't be the end of our love story. After a couple hours with no sign of my lover's return, Svetlana and I head back to our room to get changed and then head down to the hotel bar. I spot a blue velvet couch with a view of the ocean and the whole bar and flop down on it. The waitress approaches smiling and we order drinks. I scan the bar for my lover. He's nowhere to be found but I do spot another guy at the bar. He's probably in his mid-30s wearing board shorts and flip-flops. He's sipping on some fruity drink and chatting a little bit to the bartender. He's okay looking, but seems like he could be fun and has a nice smile. He's definitely not with the lawyer convention. He must just be a guest in the hotel. Could this guy be my lover? I keep an eye on him while chatting with Svetlana and sipping a glass of champagne. 
I'm telling Svetlana about my recent encounter with Hubba Hubba. And somehow, we get on the topic of blowjobs. Do you make choking sounds? She asks me. What? I say, almost spitting my champagne out. No, why would I do that? Yeah, you know, like, it's so big, you're being choked. I snort laugh. What? Yeah, she goes on. You can even say, like, whoa, have you gotten bigger? She looks at me, dead serious. I shake my head. I can't imagine pulling that off without laughing, but I'm definitely going to try. I mean, put it in the toolbox. That is genius. I can see why it works. And I encourage you to, yes, do try this at home. So we head to dinner and a couple hours later, come back to the bar and our blue velvet couch. Although still no sign of my lover from the pool, I'm happy to see that the 30-something-year-old guy is still there still drinking fruity cocktails. But now he's sitting next to an older lady. And by older, I mean 80s, late 80s, maybe early 90s. Based on how they're sitting and interacting, Svetlana asked me if I think they're a couple. What? No, I tell her. He's just being nice, chatting with a lonely old lady. I continue to watch them thinking how sweet he is for paying such close attention to this sad, lonely, elderly lady. She's wearing a big woven sun hat. And remember, it's nighttime and we're inside. She's so adorable. And then, all of a sudden, he tips up her sun hat and starts making out with her. Like kissing her deeply. I feel sick. Oh my God, what am I seeing? I can't look away. And I realize I almost talked to that guy. And then I see his wedding ring. Wait, is he married to this lady? A few minutes later, though, he pays his tab and leaves without her. The woman stays behind, all smiles. She is giddy. After a little while, a security guard comes in and brings her her wheelchair and wheels her out. And while I'm glad to see security involved, I am stunned. What did I just see? They are obviously not married. And worse than that, someone else is unknowingly married to the okay-looking guy who just macked down in a bar with a very old lady. What is wrong with people? I am suddenly no longer in the mood to find a lover. Buzzkill. The next morning, Svetlana and I head out on a long beach walk. We drink coffee and talk about life and our futures. And then I head home. No lover. But I really loved my time with Svetlana and... I learned some things. As I start my drive back down PCH, I'm playing the highlights of the stay over in my head. You know, while I always thought traveling with my person would be the ultimate, it was actually incredibly fun to just have time reconnecting with Svetlana. And honestly, if I had found a lover, it would have just detracted from my time with Svetlana. So actually, things work out perfectly. But I'm still curious about this lover thing. And so I start to wonder where else I might find a lover who's just visiting the area. And then I remember Cameron. So I've mentioned Cameron a couple times now. Cameron's the guy in Arizona who I've been texting. He's the one who helped me keep attachment low with Hubba Hubba. We matched the last time I was on the dating app when I got back from my trip to Manchester. He was in town on vacation with his daughter teaching her how to surf. And although I invited him to stop by Starbucks while I was working there one day, it didn't happen. So despite not ever meeting in person, we've been chatting for the last month. I actually like this guy. Honestly, I felt a stronger connection with him than Hubba Hubba. We talk about business and kids. He's always giving me good business advice and is a really good communicator. And 
there's flirtiness. However, he's mentioned a couple times that he's not relationship material. So I'm trying to keep that in mind and not get attached. But honestly, I'm not doing too great a job of that. But being that he's expressed no interest in actually meeting me, it shouldn't be an issue. I think though, there is some part of me that hopes that maybe he'll come around. But anyway, Cameron's not my lover and apparently not my man either. So enough about Cameron. My point is, I met him on the dating apps while he was on vacation. So maybe I get back on the apps, but this time I just look for men traveling from out of state. Just find men who are here for work or vacation. Yeah, I decide I'll give the apps one final try. When I get home, I re-download my dating app. Pretty quickly, I have a bunch of new matches. A couple are from out of town, but most of them are local. By the end of the night, I've spoken on the phone to two of them and have three dates lined up for the week. The first two dates are tomorrow, Monday. One is for lunch and one is for dinner. And the men are named Peter and Paul. Tomorrow, I have dates with Peter and Paul. I find this amusing. I also have a third date on Wednesday with a guy named Phil. My week is pretty packed now, so I try the group date thing and invite Phil to join me and my friend Andrea for happy hour. Andrea is the one from Starbucks who told us about the group date idea back in the accidental thruples episode. Things are looking up again. So now it's Monday and I have a lovely lunch with Peter. Here's the post-game wrap-up. Peter is a very nice guy, and we actually know a bunch of the same people. He's good-looking and smart, and we have a lot in common. This man is an adult, very responsible. Not very playful, which I usually like, but he's trying. He tells me that his next area of growth is actually being funnier. He's working on being funnier, which I find endearing. There isn't really a spark, but sparks are dangerous. Let's not go for sparky. I decide I'd like to try a responsible adult this time around. When I get home, I text him to thank him for lunch and to let him know that I'm still interested. He immediately texts back, fun lunch. I learned a bunch of stuff. Plus, you're as adorable as you promised. And then I get another text. But this one isn't from Peter. It's from Paul, my dinner date for tonight. He tells me that he's going to dress up since he spends his days in pajamas. He's referring to scrubs. He's another ER doctor. A couple hours before the date, I get another text from him that reads, nervous excitement over here. Ugh, I love that. A man who's excited to meet me and isn't afraid to tell me. We're going to one of my favorite restaurants for dinner. I park and walk up and then I see him. Oh, wow. This man is sexy. He has scruffy brown hair that falls into his eyes and he's wearing thick black glasses. He smiles big when he sees me and softly says through his smile, ah, you look like your pictures. He's got a very sexy, raspy voice and a gorgeous smile. He's wearing a suit. He gently puts his arm around me and guides me into the restaurant. I feel excited about this one. He's so smiley. We eat and talk and laugh. I can't tell how he's feeling about me, though. I definitely like him, and I'm talking way too much, but he's all smiles. I think he's enjoying me, but I can't really tell. Maybe he's just tolerating me. After dinner, he walks me to my car. He leans in and gives me a tender peck on the lips. I appreciate that he's not trying to maul me in the parking lot, but I'm also wondering, does that mean he's not attracted to me? I drive home doubting there will be a second date. I probably won't even hear from him again. I bet he just ghosts me. As I pull into the garage, though, I get a text from him. 
It reads, thanks for a great date. I honestly enjoyed it. It left me wanting more. Oh, thank God. He wants more. I walk inside and sit down on the couch. We're texting back and forth, trying to find a time for our second date. I love that he's so eager to see me again. Unfortunately, due to our schedules, our best option is next Monday for brunch. And since today is also Monday, that's a full week away. I'm looking at my calendar. I had said I wouldn't prioritize men or dates over other things that were important to me and I wouldn't cancel things. But I noticed that on Thursday, I just have a speed dating event in San Diego. I mean, isn't having an actual date with someone I actually like more important than a speed dating event that I have to drive to San Diego for when I don't even get to see Hubba Hubba anymore? And what kind of guys go to speed dating events anyway? Are you working Thursday? I ask him. He is, but he says he'll see if he can get someone to switch shifts with him so that we don't have to wait a full week for our second date. Wow, actual effort. This is so refreshing. The next day, he lets me know, though, that he's exhausted all efforts and can't find anyone to change shifts with him. Luckily, though, Phil had canceled our group date on Wednesday, which is tomorrow, so I decide to offer the slot to Paul instead. He texts me that he's working Wednesday, so he can't join us for happy hour, but he can meet me after work. Is 10 p.m. too late, he asks. (sighs) I think about my mistake with agreeing to meet Hubba Hubba at 9 p.m., but I do want to see him, and I do appreciate his efforts in trying to make a second date work. So instead of replying that, yes, it's too late, I reply, if you can think of something that two respectable adults can do at that hour, that works. He says that he's confident he can find something. The next day, he sends me a screenshot of a bar he found and asks... What do you think of this place for our respectable date? It's open until midnight. Perfect, I reply. He texts while I'm at happy hour with my girlfriend to check in and to tell me about work. He says it's been a very busy day at the ER with lots of very sick patients. Then he says he's headed home to change. I hope he's showering too. Very sick patients? This triggers my germophobia. It's now 10 p.m. as I pull into the empty parking lot. As I open my car door, I see him. He's wearing a tight, plain white t-shirt. Something about it reminds me of my grandpa and not in a good way. Okay, shake it off. No grandpa vibes right now. He walks over and kisses me hello. I kind of feel myself pull back. What was that? Why am I resistant to his kiss? Is it the grandpa thing? The germs? Or is it that this guy could actually be something? Is this self-sabotage? I can't tell, but I definitely notice I'm pulling away from him. We head into the bar and the hostess takes us to a big leather booth. We scoot in and he presses up against me. I can feel his warmth. It's nice. We order drinks and french fries and start to chat. He's not interested in the food. He's laser focused on me. It does feel good. We talk about a bunch of things. I tell him about the podcast, but then I say, but don't listen to it. He gives me a look. I say, well, it's very vulnerable and I'd rather you get to know me from me. It's like reading my diary. I add... You can listen to it when we decide not to date anymore. He gives me another look. Or, I continue, after our fifth date. I haven't had a fifth date since I started dating again, so I feel like that would be a milestone. He nods and smiles. We talk, and eventually, we come around to asking each other questions. Very casually. I can't recall exactly what we were saying because I was so in the moment, but eventually, I hear myself ask him, so what's your red flag? And I laugh. He thinks for a second and very gently says, maybe some depression? Ugh, he's so sincere. I just really like him. I say, I think everybody has that. Then he asks me, what's yours? The podcast, I say, and laugh. 
He laughs too. The date ends and he walks me to my car. On the drive home, I start to think, okay, I do like him. I'm not sure what the hesitation was about, but he's really so smiley and sincere. I really like that about him, but am I actually attracted to him? Yes, of course you are, Rachel. You were attracted to him yesterday. What could have changed? I think my nervous system is just freaking out. I've never dated a man like this. I recently saw a post on Instagram and it said, the nervous system is more comfortable with a familiar hell than an unfamiliar heaven. Was that what was happening here? This man is like no one I've ever dated before. Wait, isn't that what the psychic had said? A man like none I've ever dated before? I pull out the recording of the 15-minute session I have and start listening to it as I drive towards my house. She starts off by saying he's at least six feet tall. Tall is six foot. Then she says he's got distinctive features and looks maybe Italian. Paul could definitely pass as Italian. In fact, maybe he is Italian. She says he's casual and has lots of free time, but wait, she sees him in a suit, but he doesn't wear one for work. Oh my God, Paul is casual, has lots of free time, wore a suit on her first date, and only wears scrubs at work. She goes on to say he's been married once, divorced at least six years, and is ready for a relationship. Check, check, check. And then she says, this man is not like any man you've ever dated before. Check. I mean, it could be a lot of guys, but this guy is right here in front of me, and he exactly fits the description. I should be excited, right? Like, here's the finish line. I just have to walk across. Literally, I could just fall over and cross this finish line. But instead, I'm thinking about his grandpa shirt. I'm questioning things. I'm about to take myself out of the race. Wait, so this could be my person? I don't think I'm ready for this. When I get home, it's after midnight, but I go into my office to book another 15-minute session with a psychic. I want to see if Paul's the man she was describing. I'm still skeptical, but I'm desperate to not mess things up if this is my guy. It's Wednesday, though, and she doesn't have any slots until Saturday. As I'm getting ready for bed, I get a text from him. It reads, I remembered why I brought up that other doctor. He had been mid-story during our date and got distracted and couldn't remember why he had been telling me about this other doctor. So I reply, LOL, why? He said, date a lawyer. Oh, really? Yeah. He said they're freaks in bed because they are in jobs where they have to be proper and conservative. I reply, I can neither confirm nor deny that. You'll have to wait and find out for yourself. Uh Aha, I'm intrigued to put it mildly. We chat a little bit more and then he adds, I'm sitting on the couch smiling, thinking about you. Aw, I had a great time. I love how smiley you are around me. He replies, you bring that out in me. He asks about the next time we'll be seeing each other and confirms that we are on for brunch on Monday. We continue to chat and then he says, I really had fun with you tonight. I'd say date number two was a success. I replied, me too. And I felt really taken care of and treated well. So thank you for that. He says, oh, that's a really tender thing to say, Rachel. Tell me why you felt taken care of tonight. I say, well, I told you my need was to have a respectable experience for a second date and you took me seriously. And then you took the time to find something that fit the description. And you were just very attentive and felt very safe to me. He says, I'm glad. I pay attention. I'm deliberate and consistent. I say, I like that. It feels good. He says, I like you and sends a heart emoji. And I say, I'm glad because I like you too. And he hearts it and we end the conversation. The next day, 
He texts, just got to the hospital, thinking of you. We text throughout the day, and then later that afternoon, he texts me and says, you may need to drop by my house on your way home. He knows I'm going to an event in San Diego today, and he's working until late. I don't plan on going by his house tonight, but I playfully reply, oh, is that so? And send the smirk emoji. What time will you be headed home? He asks. Well, the event goes from seven until nine, and then it takes a little over an hour to get home. He replies with just the thumbs up emoji. Uh Uh-oh, I can feel the energy shift with that thumbs up. What's that about? Don't make it mean anything, Rachel. He's probably working and just sending a quick reply. I decide to send him the blowing a kiss emoji to lighten the mood. I don't hear anything back. About an hour and a half later, while I'm stuck in bumper to bumper traffic on my way to San Diego and still thinking about that thumbs up emoji, I decide to do something I typically don't do. I double text and send him a voice text. I just want to make sure he's not reading me wrong. And so I say, hey, I hope you don't think I was blowing you off. I don't think you do, but just wanted to check. I'm not sure what time you're headed home, but I'll be driving around nine. And if you want, we can chat or connect later when you're off. I don't know what time you're off. He replies, nice to hear your voice. I'm off at 10. Okay, I feel better. I'm glad I clarified. Finally, I pull up to the event and it's right in Hubba Hubba's neighborhood. Ugh. Weeks ago when I registered for the event, I had imagined that I'd have plans to see him after the event. Now this trip to San Diego just feels like a huge waste of time. To be honest, I've been contemplating texting him. I still haven't heard anything from him and now it's been three weeks. I just kind of miss him. Not like an attachment kind of way, just like I miss having him to visit when I'm in the area. And I'll be down here a bunch over the next couple months. So it just seems like bad timing, but no, I'm not going to text him. I get out of my car and my friend Corinne is waiting there for me. She lives in San Diego and is also single. So we had decided to go to this event together. The event's being held at a small little wine room. We walk inside and each order a glass of wine. We sit at a table and sip our wine, chat, and catch up. Looking around, I do not have high hopes for the evening, and neither does Corinne. My first date begins, and I hate it already. Only seven more dates to go. The first guy is telling me about a woman he had recently invited to travel with him to New York, and after whining and dining her in New York all weekend, she ghosted him. Since we only have about 10 minutes with each person, it seems like a strange way to start a date, but I go with it. I feel like... Maybe I should coach him or give him an inspirational talk to encourage him to keep putting himself out there. Time is moving incredibly slowly. I sip my wine. Finally, the host says, okay, it's time to find your next date. I tell him how much I enjoyed chatting with him. And then I just sit and wait for my next date to find me. I'm in no hurry to start my next date. The next guy is interesting. He tells me he owns parking lots and storage facilities. I perk up and say, oh my gosh, I love that show, Storage Wars. That show is garbage, he says. After 30 days, I can go in and own the stuff. I feel disappointed, but then I get curious. Oh, ever find anything good? No, he says. Okay, well, what's the best thing you ever found? Uh, Probably a $4,000 go-kart for my son. Well, that's something, I excitedly reply. Okay, what's the weirdest thing you ever found? Without expression, he shrugs and replies, "Mm, a sex dungeon? Oh, were you the one who cleaned it out? No way, he replies. 
Our date ends and I move on to date number three. Six more dates and I'd say the storage wars guy was the best one. Not because we were a match, but because I feel like I may have gotten an idea for my next stand-up comedy bit. The event ends early and now I'm on the road home. I'm excited to chat with Paul. I listen to some music to kill the time until 10 p.m., but 10 p.m. comes and goes and nothing. Nothing all night. And then nothing the next day. Or the next day. I knew it. I could feel the energy shift. Something happened when he sent that thumbs up. Thumbs up is never a good sign. It's basically the kiss of death for romance. We don't gotta stay friends forever. It's been a couple days and still nothing. Thankfully, it's Saturday and I have my call with the psychic today. She looks at the photo I sent and says, he came on hot and heavy and then pulled back. I nod. Yeah, I heard. She says, she pulls some cards and then she says, this is not your guy. Okay, phew. A couple days later, he unmatches me on the dating app. He doesn't even send a text to cancel our brunch date for Monday. I am so confused. Seriously, what happened? Is this really because I didn't accept your offer to go to your house at 11 p.m. at night? We've only known each other for four days. Now you're never going to know if lawyers are freaks in bed or not. I decide it's time to delete the app again, and this time permanently. I seriously hate the apps. They're all garbage. They make people so disposable. Don't like what's happening with this one? Don't talk about it. Just unmatch and find a new one. I think the constant availability of new matches is the problem. So I need a different route. I mean, yes, you could easily find someone to have sex with on these apps, but I'm looking for a lover. There are no lovers there. As the days pass, I realize maybe I'm not ready for a lover. I like the concept, but I think I'm still in the booty call mentality. So how does one graduate from booty call to lover? I spend a lot of time thinking about this. Maybe I'm just not lover material. Maybe I'm just booty call material. But then, just like magic, again, an email comes in from a local pole dancing studio. They're offering a six-week workshop entitled Master of Seduction. Topics include body worship, lap dance and striptease, and role-playing, among other things. And although everything in my body wants me to delete this email and keep searching for another perfect solution, I know the universe wants me to lap dance. I know this because I had just put take a sexy dance class on the list that morning. And so I know this is God's timing. God sent me a striptease class. And when God and the universe speak, I listen. So come back next week to help me cross take a sexy dance class off the list and hopefully move myself into lover territory. I hope you've loved that episode of Love Before 100. And actually, if you did, I'd appreciate it so much if you'd go leave us a five-star rating in the Apple Podcast app. And then be sure to come back next week to find out what happens next and tell me cross another thing off my bucket list. Let's spend the-